Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago. And in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Missoula Sports Center. Missoula's own Darian Stevens is headed to the finals of the Women's Big Air at the Winter Olympics in Beijing, China. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. Stevens, who is competing in her second Olympics, qualified in eighth place as the lone American to make the Big Air final. Whitefish's Maggie Voison placed 15th. Women's Big Air is making its debut for skiers after first appearing as a snowboard event in the 2018 Games in Pyeongchang, South Korea. On her third jump, Stevens nailed a cork 900 with a tail grab. Her score of 67.25 was good enough to advance. Voison, who's in her third Olympics, crashed on her first attempt when her jump came up just short of the landing. So in order to qualify for the finals, she needed to land both of her subsequent attempts. She did land both, but did not score enough to get into the top eight. The Women's Big Air Final is scheduled for Tuesday at 10 a.m., but U.S. viewers can watch live Monday at 7 p.m. on NBC. Stevens and Voison are two of four Montana athletes competing in Beijing, in addition to Butte's Brad Wilson in men's moguls and Whitefish's Jake Sanderson in ice hockey. And finally, in hoops action, the Montana State men had one of the biggest wins of the Big Sky Conference season Saturday, drilling first place Weber State 78-57 in August in Utah. The MSU women pushed their winning streak to 7-1 less than the men by beating Weber in Bozeman. And the Montana men suffered their first loss to Idaho State since 2009, falling 86-63 in Pocatello. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. Because when I frequent the spots that I'm known to rock, you hit a bass from the truck.
when I'm on the block. Ladies, they pay homage, but haters say Dre fell off. How? My last album was The Chronic. They want to know if he still got it. What up, Montana? Welcome back. Duan is now ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. Hope you're enjoying the sunshine. I'm sweating. It's like 45 degrees outside. The sporadic nature of the Montana weather. It's what keeps me coming back. Hope you're having an outstanding start to your week. Missed anything in the first hour of the show. We talked all things Big Sky Conference basketball. The results from over the weekend, including a couple surprises on the men's side. Both Montana losing at Idaho State and Montana State rolling over Weber State. A couple unlikely results, but we got games again tonight. Makeup City right now in the Big Sky Conference. The Bobcats tip at Idaho State in about 55 minutes, 6 p.m., and then the Grizz tip here in Missoula, 7 p.m. We'll be at the game tonight, so very much looking forward to that. If you missed anything in the Montana Basketball Hour, you can find it all. Oh, by the way, Riley Corkin, voice of the Grizz, joined us as well. Uh, If you want to find anything from the Montana Basketball Hour, you always can on the Nuanez Now podcast, which is proudly presented by Sportsbet Montana, as well as the Advocates. If you've been following along, you know the hour, uh, second hour of every Monday show is uh, the Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty. Marty Morningway, longtime NFL coach, former Grizz quarterback, in studio with us. And, Coach, we almost always play you in with the country music, but we got to go with the hip-hop today because it's a hip-hop uh, halftime show at, at the uh, – in Los Angeles, probably not necessarily your favorite type of music. I don't really know, though. Where are you at with, like, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg? I like all music, <laughs> except well, you and I have discussed this. Right. The headbanging music, where I can't even understand a word <laughs> that they're saying. Other than that, I like just about everything. Some of these people I've never heard of sure. that you mentioned on occasion. Yeah, yeah. But if you turn the music on, it'd be just fine now. <laughs> Uh, you and I discussed this last week. My mom and dad always said there are two type of music, country and western. <laughs> Gotta love so it. So I lean that way. <laughs> well, it was, it's was it been very fun doing this segment with you all fall long. And here we are now, uh, the second to last one of this series because it's Super Bowl week and then the Super Bowl will occur. But I don't know about you, but I know this was the sort of the first year that you've really been able to dive into watching football from, you know, like a layman's person perspective. I felt totally lost yesterday because uh, there was no games. I called my brother. And I said, what's going on? I said, I'll come get the kids. I'll take them wherever you want because I have nothing to do. I'm so bored right now. What's going on? So what did you do yesterday? Anything fun? Well, the Pro Bowl. Yeah, you're right. I, I did watch the Pro Bowl, but this has become a two-hand touch. Well, I don't even know. I can't it's, even watch it. I watched it for a couple series. There was nothing going on. Very, very difficult to watch. And it's kind of ruining that game because receivers are jogging off the ball, jogging through their routes, and these really good quarterbacks are sitting back and full, and they're throwing all kinds of interceptions. I think there was like seven interceptions in the game. Right. It's crazy. And there's no tackling. Right. And the officials are blowing something dead uh, one way, or it's two-hand touch, and then they're letting somebody run on another play. So it's... It's, uh, it's crazy that way. How many pick sixes were there? I mean, there was like at least two or three. I mean, it was crazy. And I remember a story, uh, LaShawn McCoy, his first Shady. Pro Bowl. His first Pro Bowl. And I'm going, okay, now look it. These guys are going to try to make deals with you, right? And all that. And no, uh-uh. you go run hard, you break tackles, and you come out with the MVP of the Pro Bowl. Gotcha, coach. Gotcha. He gets over there, I turn the television on, and it's like he's speed walking. (laughs) 
and he got back. I said, what happened to our conversation? He said, coach, man, everybody got together and made these deals. And so that's what it's gotten to. And that's too bad because my wife and I were talking about it. And even my youngest son was home that weekend. Uh, and back in the day, it was a blood fest. I For mean, sure. cutting. I mean, and it was which conference is better. Right. And, and there was some carryover from when the NFL allowed uh, the the AFCN. Yeah, right. And, you know, sure. and the Joe Namath win and Super sure. Bowl three, And there was still some leftover through the 70s and 80s of that. But now the fellows are playing many more games. Right. And so it's kind of like two-hand touch, Coulter. Is there any way to fix this? Is there a solution for this, or do you just kind of got to let it ride? There's so much money on the line now, I totally understand. I mean, not only do you not want to get hurt, but I don't want to hurt you either because I know that could cost you millions of dollars. Yes, and they've tried. They've tried and tried and tried. They've upped the money for the winner. Yeah, right. You know, and all that. Well, all that does is the last series of the game, Right. the fellows might play a little harder. Uh, but uh, I think we're beyond that point of fixing the thing. Uh, uh, just because the, the there's so much free agency and guys going between right. the AFC and NFC and all of those things, I just I think we're beyond that point. Is Lashawn McCoy a Hall of Famer? I think I think he's one of the great runners of his time, and he became uh, a great receiver. And there weren't many even even at that time. Yeah, there's more now. But he could shake and bake with the best of them. We were talking about sports legacies. It's the Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty, Marty Mornoway, in studio with us here on ESPN Radio. And we were talking about sports legacies last week. And one of the things that I brought up is that uh, oftentimes we gravitate so much towards evaluating sports legacies based on longevity first. Longevity is going to give you so many more opportunities to win, so many more opportunities to accumulate numbers. But I also think that there's an argument there for transcendence versus longevity. Like, for example, Troy Aikman only played nine seasons in the NFL, but he won three Super Bowl rings, so he's a Hall of Famer, even if he passed for, you know, one-third of the yards that Peyton Manning did. I always thought of LaShawn McCoy sort of like that. He was banged up a lot in his career, and part of that's just because of the way he ran, the way he sort of glided. He's not that big of a guy. He's not a power back necessarily, more of a speed guy. But... When he was at his best, he was certainly one of, if not the best and most versatile, absolutely, running backs in the league. And so I sort of judge, especially running backs, you can rush for... Uh, Frank Gore is a great example. Frank Gore is a great player, really tough. But Frank Gore was never the best running back or one of the best running backs in the NFL. He's always one of the top 10, right. but he wasn't ever the best. Whereas I do, I do think that Shady McCoy was one of the better running backs and one of the best running backs in the league during his prime. Yeah, I sure hope he gets in. A couple things come to mind. Uh, he was uh, so productive. Uh, and and the, you go back to Gail Sayers, uh, you, you know, when he had the knee. I mean, what a fantastic Gail Sayers is one of the greatest examples. And he only played a handful of years, and he's in the Hall of Fame as well. So I certainly yes. hope that LaShawn McCoy gets in. He doesn't like that nickname, by the way. He doesn't? No. I think he kind of liked it in the 8th grade and 11th <laughs> right. grade. But there came a time where he, he, he didn't like it because the perception of a nickname, sure, shady, yeah, yeah. Uh, but 
But uh, everybody still called him that, by the way. I bet they did, no doubt about it. I think the Gale Sayers uh, in football and Bill Walton in basketball are mm-hmm. two of the, the great examples. I always bring up the Bill Walton. Like, what? First of all, what could Bill Walton have been? But when Bill Walton was Bill Walton before he got hurt, I mean, he's the, one of the best ever. I mean, he, the Trailblazers have one championship. It's when Bill Walton was in his prime. So uh, if he wouldn't have got hurt, who, who knows? But he was still a bona fide Hall of Famer as well. But I don't know. I don't know if we give as much reverence to that, that peak as we used to. Yeah, and, and, and we should. Uh, I, I, I know a lot of fellows where they had two or three just tremendous years. Right. That's probably not enough. But Shady sure. played much longer than that, and he was trying. He was trying to put, and that's too bad because we're counting numbers now. You sure, know? sure, sure. And he was trying to put a couple more decent years together and just, just couldn't get it done there at the end. Well, talk about the coaching carousel because I was thinking about you all day with some of these hires, mostly because uh, you have such great perspective and you were around the NFL for so long. And I got to say that my mind is blown with some of these hires. Um, Not that I think that they're bad hires. It's just so much different than it ever has been. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of different factors that go into that. I mean, we're going to get into some of the, the ins and outs of all this stuff. But like a guy like Herm Edwards, for example, he's still coaching, but he's at Arizona State, so he's not really in the mix. I mean, he should, he might take a call or something like that. Jim Harbaugh might take a call, but I do think there's some guys that are NFL caliber head coaches that maybe aren't in the NFL pool directly right now. But also, though, the thing that's just crazy is, first of all, the what have you done for me lately is is wild. Nine guys got fired this last offseason. That's one third of the league has got uh, open jobs. But then you look at some of the hires from this last week. And the ones that particularly stood out to me were Matt Eberflus, who's the new head coach of the Bears, Nathaniel Hackett, who's the new head coach of the Denver Broncos, and Mike McDaniel, who's the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins. What do these three guys share? Well, all three of them are young, up-and-coming, offensive-minded, analytics-based, quote-unquote, like geniuses. That's what everybody's looking for now is guys that are geniuses, which I think is so funny when you talk about football. But also... The other thing these guys have in common is that Eberflus and McDaniel have no documented playing experience of any sort. They have no like resume of high school or anything like that. Paul Hackett did, or excuse me, Nathaniel Hackett, who's Paul Hackett's son, he did play high school football. And I actually think that I'm less skeptical of that one just because Nathaniel Hackett, he comes from the UC Davis coaching tree. You know, Jim, Jim Sochar was such a great coach there. He coached guys like Dan Hawkins and and Paul Hackett, who's Nathaniel Hackett's dad, Chris Peterson, Gary Patterson. So David's, Davis has always um, produced such great coaches. But it's just so crazy to me, Coach, to see these guys that are like my age in their mid-30s who uh, I don't even think played at a high, as high level as I did. And I was just a Montana varsity football player. So I don't know. Do you think you have to be able to play? What's the dynamic like in a locker room? Will there be a struggle for respect because a guy like Mike McDaniel is just sort of this Yale-educated, you know, football brilliant boy? I'll tell you, it sure has changed. Right. And, you know, there's always been some outliers of fellows who didn't play much football or any football at a high level. Many of the coaches typically play at a high level, and then they get into coaching. There's a select few that played at the highest level for many years. Right. Bill Cower, let's say. Sure. But those are a little bit of outliers. Harbaugh's kind of an out. Jim Harbaugh's yeah, kind of an outlier. Yeah. And 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 so now there are a select few. 
that really didn't play much or right. play at all. Yeah. Uh, and that, that end up being a, a good head coach. But those are far and few between, I believe, Lou Holtz. Sure. I'm not sure, sure he played much football. Yeah. Uh, way back when Allen went to Redskins. And why? Because as a head coach, especially in the NFL, you need to lead men. And that's sometimes what those fellas are missing just a little bit. The other thing that, and I've coached with a couple of those type of guys uh, that didn't play much at all. And they're missing just a little bit of the feel of the game. They're, they're very clinical. Uh, so if you get a fellow like that that has a pretty good feel of the game and can carry on a conversation with a player uh, down to that level and make something pretty complicated, really simple in the players' minds, that man could end up being a very good head coach. So for somebody like Mike McDaniel, who's an offensive guy, he's formerly the offensive coordinator of the 49ers, and by the way, I'm not saying these are bad hires. In fact, you talk to a lot of guys around the league and you listen to all the sound bites and stuff, they all think that these guys are all really good hires for these head coaching jobs. But how important is it? So for a guy like McDaniel, he's an offensive guy, right? He's going to be coaching a team in Miami now that uh, even though they are in the midst of a new head coach because Brian Flores got fired, they had a winning record the last two years. And it was almost, it, it was based largely on the strength of their defense. How does a guy that's an offensive-minded guy who's never done anything besides you know, draw stuff on the board, how does he reach across the aisle, so to speak, and, and get the defensive guys on his side? Or is that just all about hiring the right D.C. and the right delegation? Well, that will be his challenge because right. the head coach must lead. If he's missing that quality just a little bit, like you said, he needs to hire tough strong, go-get-em type of people with some personality around them and allow their personality to show. So that that's the challenge for those type of guys, especially being so young as well. Watching the, the Rams hard knocks a couple years ago, it's fascinating watching Sean McVay because he, when you watch hard, I've watched every hard knocks season, and a great many of the guys that were head coaches on hard knocks they were exactly how you think NFL football coaches are. You know, these tough, you know, well-spoken leaders of men that are intense and give you the speech. I mean, John Gruden was so on brand on the hard knocks. It was exactly like I expected him to be. McVay, he comes at it from a completely different angle, but he brings a ton of energy. Yeah. And, and so it's not necessarily this, you know, I'm going to punch you in the face. We're so tough, you know, us against the world. We're bloodthirsty. It's more just like, let's put the work in. I'm going to work harder than anybody. Let's go do it. And do you think that works in this new age NFL? Because it seems like it's starting to trend that way. I will say this. All different styles will work. Right. As long as you get the talent and, and the coaching methods and the leadership and hard work and preparation, as long as you've got all that, different styles will work. I will tell you, though, uh, a young, uh, inexperienced coach needs the strong coordinators right. around them. And it's just that simple. The analytics thing has taken off. And it, and I, listen, totally. I love analytics. You do. I know I you do. I love analytics because I love studying it. Sure. However... You need to put some common sense and some game situations and a little bit of feel of the game into it. I was watching from the from the big perspective on the television this year, 
And I thought there were many, many mistakes where analytics said, right. go for it. And, man, alive in that situation, kick the field goal and give your guys a little juice going in at half or later in the fourth quarter or, or those type of things. And it it just didn't happen. And, and I think uh, leaning so heavily toward the analytics can backfire you as much as using no analytics can. So there's that fine line, Coulter. Monday afternoon quarterback, Marty Mortaweg, here in studio with us. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. Monday afternoon quarterbacks presented proudly by Alpine Touch. And that's that's one of the biggest takeaways I've had from talking ball with you uh, every Monday here throughout the football season is that and I, I've, I've actually, this has actually been very affirmative to me because I've thought this uh, across sports. For example, baseball, I think that the thing that baseball's lost is how homogenized the game has become. Most guys' swings look the same. There's all sorts of guys in the Baseball Hall of Fame that had funky swings. And if they were coming up in the age of video, they would have fixed that thing. But would they have been as good? You know, like a guy like Rod Carew, nobody would teach somebody to swing the bat like that. He's got 3,200 hits. So I don't know why you'd want to change it. You know, I mean, Roberto Clemente, kind of the first guy that swung from his eyeballs to his shoelaces. Because it doesn't matter. He's going to hit the ball. And I, I think that there's an element of that. That's one thing you've taught me so much about football is that there is detail and film and technology and analytics and all that. But sometimes, like you're saying, it's just the feel of the game. you got to just let it rip sometimes, right? Gut instincts with players and coaches. And you can tell real quick whether a player and, to some extent, a coach has really good gut instincts. You get a real good feel of that early in their careers. You coach Brett Favre. He's a great example of that, right? I will tell you, Brett Favre played on gut instincts more than anybody else I coached, I suspect, except Lamar Jackson. Right. All right? However, all of the quarterbacks, the great ones that I coached, had great instincts. There is there is no substitute for the instincts. You know, you've got you've got decision making, you've got accuracy, you've got timing, and then you've got gut instincts and trust the gut instincts, trust the training that you've had and turn it loose with passion. And all of them did that. Now, I will tell you the fellows that play on gut instincts more than others, they still have great. There's no substitute for the preparation. Great preparation as well leading up to a week. Well, that's very fascinating to think that that has been one of the tenets of your longtime coaching career too and to think that some of the most improvisational and, and gut instinct players that we've seen in the NFL in the last 25 years are guys that played for you. I mean, Brett Favre, Steve Young, Michael Vick, all those guys are, and Lamar Jackson, they're all uh, great improvisational quarterbacks. Well, I will tell you, that was sort of Coulter, my style. Totally, right. You know, when I, when I was playing, but that preparation is key. So, I know this, that with an active quarterback, Coulter, that if you embrace it and turn him loose, now he needs to be, uh, unlike Mahomes in the second half last week, he needs to be very disciplined within all of that athleticism. Run the play first when you're forced to move. Move and have a little discipline with it. And then your team has an upper hand in the in the in the football game if you embrace it and if you allow it. Rather than Coulter 
turning them into robots. Right. That does no good at all. I think that's the demise of young quarterbacks in the NFL quite often. It is. And it's been my criticism of Miami. Tua Tagovailoa's got as much juice as anybody. They don't let him use his juice. I know he's coming off an injury and stuff, but like sometimes when you got a thoroughbred, you got to just let him ro- roll, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll allow it, allow it. But but that quarterback needs to understand he must be disciplined within the movement ability that he has. I'll give you an example. I've got 31 drills in my drill book, my quarterback drill book. Well, there's about five or six that are the most important, and they all deal with moving, whether it be in the pocket, whether it be up and out, whether it be front door back, all the way to a full scramble. And so you train uh, the fella to have a little discipline within that great athleticism that he has. Speaking of coaches playing, Marty mentioned it, but uh, he played for the University of Montana once upon a time. I actually learned this while I was doing research for this segment, though. I knew you were a great high school football player in California. I knew you'd want to state championship. I didn't realize, though, you were the 1979 Northern California Player of the Year. Pretty cool. This guy's a big deal. Yeah, well, I'll tell you. <laughs> I, hey, hey, let me tell you. The Hall of Fame thing that you yeah, and I attended. Yeah, totally. Uh, what Mont- was that, in June or July? Yeah, Montana Football Hall of Fame back I mean, in June. That, that was so special to me because I missed. I missed all of those award ceremonies because many times those type of things happen in the fall, right? Team reunions, uh, the the Big Sky Championship re- reunion, going into the Hall of Fame at the University of Montana. I missed all of those things. So what a great thing it was for for uh, for the Montana, the state of Montana Hall of Fame out there in Billings. I'll tell you, uh, there there are many things that you can think about. When you're not coaching, <laughs> no doubt about you, it. You know, and 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 those. 14, 16, and even 18-hour days are no longer there. You want us now ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. It's the Monday afternoon quarterback with Marty Morningweg, longtime NFL coach as well as former Grizz quarterback in studio. It's presented by Alpine Touch. You want some Alpine Touch? We got a Grand Slam package for you. That's got the pepper blend as well as the all-purpose seasoning. It's four different spices. It'll last you forever. Call us right now, 406 1029 We'll send a Grand Slam package right to your door, Alpine Touch, Montana Special Spice. Speaking of those 18-hour days and the preparation for it, it culminates in the most spectacular way with Super Bowl Sunday, which is this Sunday. We'll give you an early breakdown of the game right after this. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. If you're ever injured in an accident and you're worried about if a lawyer is going to cost you too much money, the advocates, they will provide help for you No out-of-pocket costs until your case is settled. You pass the stress of your accident off to the advocates. That helps you focus on getting better. To find out how the advocates can help you, you can call them free of charge, 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. 
Missoula's own Darian Stevens is headed to the finals of the Women's Big Air at the Winter Olympics in Beijing, China. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. Stevens, who is competing in her second Olympics, qualified in eighth place as the lone American to make the Big Air final. Whitefish's Maggie Voison placed 15th. Women's Big Air is making its debut for skiers after first appearing as a snowboard event in the 2018 Games in Pyeongchang, South Korea. On her third jump, Stevens nailed a cork 900 with a tail grab. Her score of 67.25 was good enough to advance. Voison, who's in her third Olympics, crashed on her first attempt when her jump came up just short of the landing. So in order to qualify for the finals, she needed to land both of her subsequent attempts. She did land both, but did not score enough to get into the top eight. The Women's Big Air final is scheduled for Tuesday at 10 a.m., but U.S. viewers can watch live Monday at 7 p.m. on NBC. Stevens and Voison are two of four Montana athletes competing in Beijing, in addition to Butte's Brad Wilson in men's moguls and Whitefish's Jake Sanderson in ice hockey. And finally, in hoops action, the Montana State men had one of the biggest wins of the Big Sky Conference season Saturday, drilling first place Weber State 78-57 in Ogden, Utah. The MSU women pushed their winning streak to 7-1 less than the men by beating Weber in Bozeman, and the Montana men suffered their first loss to Idaho State since 2009, falling 86-63 in Pocatello. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. What's up, Montana? Welcome back. ESPN Radio, it's Nuana's Now. Maybe you're watching SWX Montana Television. Thanks for being here with us on a Monday. We're coming to you from the Northwest Motorsport Studio. Northwest Motorsport, new to Missoula. You can find them here in the corner of Stevenson Mount in the, in the Garden City. You can also visit nwmsrocks.com. That's nwmsrocks.com to check out the largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. Monday afternoon quarterback with Marty Mornenweg, presented by Alpine Touch, rolls on. And, Coach, it's Super Bowl week. Cincinnati Bengals versus the Los Angeles Rams. Crazy that no team had ever played in the Super Bowl on their home field until last year. Now we have two in a row. Can you, You've been to the Super Bowl before. Do you feel like there's any extra to that? Is there extra distractions, extra dynamic? What's the dynamic like? I, I think that in a city like L.A., with the, there's not really that much home field advantage because tickets to this thing are $25,000 plus per ticket. So... Whoever wants those tickets is going to get them no matter who they're rooting for. Maybe they're rooting for nobody at all. But what do you think of just the dynamic of a Super Bowl being played at home? Yeah, you're exactly right. The Super Bowl's more corporate as far as the right. tickets go. And so I would suspect that the L.A. team, the Rams, will have a little bit of home field advantage. Just uh, talking regarding the noise, sure. I would suspect, but it's it's sort of even there. Now, I will tell you another Super Bowl that the 49ers won, I believe it was against the Miami Dolphins, was at Stanford Stadium. Yeah, so right close by. semi-home yep. for them. I would, I would think that the home field advantage is something. There's something there well, as far as travel. You know, you're in your home hotel the night before the game. You're not in a foreign hotel. The food is typically the same every Saturday night. The travel from the hotel to the stadium will be similar. So I think there is some home field advantage for the Rams, yes. When you were in the Super Bowl, where was where that? New Orleans. Okay. 
and Jacksonville, now New Orleans. Oh, interesting, Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah. That and was they, probably when Jacksonville had just become an NFL yeah, senior, pretty close to. Yeah, and they weren't ready for it. Oh, man. They, they were just weren't ready for it. They didn't have enough hotels, so they brought ships in, and people were staying, <laughs> staying on cruise ships. ships. And, wow. You know, things like that. But the New Orleans, uh, the New Orleans, fantastic place to have a Super Bowl. I will tell you there are some distractions. However, I grew up in the system, and the philosophy were, Hey, look, we're men. There's no bed checks, you know. Uh, but uh, uh, and you get all your work done if it's a two-week deal sure, sure. in between the, the championship game and the Super Bowl. You get all your work done in that first week, and then not that you can't make some adjustments sure. during the game week, but and then, and then you practice to keep them sharp. Now, you and I discussed, we played the great Bill Parcells, right. who was with the New Orleans, I mean, excuse me, the New England team at the time. Heck, they had full pads on Super Bowl week. So different philosophies like we were discussing before certainly work. But I'm from the, hey, let's let's treat, this is about business. And, and all the time when you're playing, it's about business in the NFL. And what does that mean? Whatever it takes to win the ball game. The eighth Super Bowl in Los Angeles. That's the most ever in a single city besides Miami and New Orleans. Those are the only other two cities that have hosted more. But this is the first Super Bowl in L.A. since 1993. Yeah, that's crazy. That is a little crazy. Uh, the, the phenomenon of uh, – you'll actually probably know how to explain this a little better than me. The phenomenon of the city of Los Angeles is fascinating to me because it was um, this city that just exploded – like during the 1950s, 1960s, 1970s. It wasn't like the historic cities of the East Coast that have been around for a really long time, though. And th- there was just so many premier events there, especially in the 80s and 90s with the Olympics. But the NFL then didn't go back there because they didn't have a presence there. And now they have a presence there, so they're back. But sort of the rise of L.A. is sort of fascinating as well because for a, a moment in time, it was like this new hot spot. And now I think it's just known as just L.A., the second largest city in the United States. Yeah, I remember it used to be the Magic Johnson show. And, oh, yeah. And everybody would, you know, all the superstars love going to those games, as well as the old L.A. Rams. Uh, you know, and that certainly has changed. And I think part of it is because they didn't have a team for so long. Totally. And the Oakland team moved there. And then out, and then back, and then and out. And so the, uh, they didn't have a team that was there for decades uh, to root for and go go to the games, and that's changing. They've been to what two Super Bowls in the last four or five years, so that may be changing again. Well, you mentioned the, the system and uh, the fact that you know no bed checks. You're your own man. Do your own thing. But when you're coaching, are, are you worried about that? Or I mean, if you get to that point, I guess you probably really like the makeup of your roster. Yeah, I, I, I personally, I was not worried because. The fellas understand right. what's on the line in the Super Bowl, and for that matter, any playoff game. Now, there are have been a select few that maybe had some problems, uh, you know, leading up to a ball game that you were you were a little concerned about, but not. Uh, well, I will tell you. I mean, there have been players who had some episodes right before Super Bowls. So, you know, if you have one of those fellas. On the football team, you might uh, be, but we're so much better today right. at identifying these type of things, right? And 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 getting getting to it before it occurs. I, I I I know that we're better at it. We're not perfect yet, but but we're better at those things. 
the week leading up, I mean, there's always so much hoopla. There's media day. There's the whole song and dance. Everybody's making every prediction in the world. What's that part like? And, uh, I mean, how do you mitigate that? Because that can be also a distraction. Yeah, I'll tell you, I was on a Zoom call. This was last week with some great coaches and personnel. I mean, uh, there was a a, a referee, and uh, we're talking about a whole host of things, but the prediction thing came up. Sure, sure, sure. From a great defensive coordinator that I coached against many, many times and a two-time head coach as well. And he predicted the L.A. Rams by two touchdowns. And I went, I went, oh, geez, what does he know that I don't? Right. right. And, then, and then another fella came on, a personnel man. And he said, well, here's the numbers on matchups. Cincinnati plus three. So is what you do on the matchup. You, you right tackle against their left defensive end and so forth. All the way through the roster. And since he was plus three. Well, then the defensive coordinator came back on. And he said, well, it's a Rams by two touchdowns. I don't care what anybody says. Well, his son coaches. He's one of the assistants for the Rams. Oh, so that blew that blew my bubble. I thought maybe I was getting some information that nobody, <laughs> nobody else had there. But Cincinnati matchups plus three. Right. That's interesting. And I the line not... actually even moved a point today. It's, it's now Cincinnati plus four or Los Angeles minus four. Minus four. So what was it at three five? It was at it three. It opened, it opened at three. three. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I would say like you and I were talking previous. I would say the home field advantage is a little bit. I would think. Yep. Okay. The Rams defense is so good. In fact, on that Zoom call, we were talking. We were talking. It's unusual year because O lines. Typically, teams that get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl have really good offensive lines. Top five, top eight, top ten type of offensive lines. These two teams are underwater just a little bit there. Average at best, and and that's giving them a little bit offensive lines. So those pass rushers on the defensive side in the Rams and, and Cincy both have some. There's where the game is going to be won or lost, I think, is is in that offensive line. New Orleans now ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television, the Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty Moore on the matchup for a Super Sunday. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. SportsBet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for SportsBet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. SportsBet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized SportsBet Montana location or by using the SportsBet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since SportsBet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. SportsBet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized SportsBet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. ESPN Radio. Little Super Bowl halftime set for you. It's already leaked on Spotify. That's how I know what songs are coming up. Should be fun though. Very much excited. 
for the game. It's actually interesting, though, because as somebody that's obsessed with the NFL and somebody that spends so much time watching the NFL like I am, I actually like the Super Bowl less than I do the two weekends leading up to it because I, I, I get so used to watching two, three games every Sunday. So it's like, where's my action? I need more action. When, it, when there's four playoff games over the span of two days, that's I'm a, I'm a hog hammer. That's exactly what I love. New Orleans now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. It's the Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty, Marty Morningweg, in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas. Thanks for being here with us. On a Monday, if you hadn't heard, big football game coming up on Sunday. The Los Angeles Rams playing at their home stadium, SoFi Field, against Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. And, uh, Coach, let's talk about that element of the matchup. First of all, the Rams, because of just the complete outburst by Cooper Cup and the sort of reigniting of Matt Stafford's career, they've gotten a lot of headlines for their offense. Sean McVay is an offensive head coach. But a great deal of why the Rams are in the Super Bowl is they have one of the best defenses in the NFL, including a couple of the best front seven guys in the history of the league in Aaron Donald and Von Miller. So uh, it's not just all offense for the Rams. Oh, it's far from all offense for the Rams. I think they have a solid plus type of offense. Uh, really, really good. They they execute all phases of the game really well, right? But their defense, you get a really good offensive head coach that has a great defense, they can go far. I love the dynamic, too, of Von Miller's return, as well as Eric Weddle. Eric Weddle was a, a great player for a long time and then retired and was out of the game for a couple years, and now he's back. But I think it just reaffirms just the mentality of a player. Part of it is your physical skill, the body you were born with, but part of it is just your mentality. And... When it's just single-game scenarios, the mentality outweighs everything. Von Miller, when he just has to go on a third down in the playoffs, he looks like it's 2011. It's it's like a flash from the past. Same with Eric Weddle. We had him in Baltimore <laughs> yeah. for a brief period of time, and he was uh, such a great player. But even at that time, he was sort of playing on experience and instincts. Instinct, yeah. And he had slow. Well, now they hire him off the street where he obviously kept himself in shape coaching Pop Warner football. <laughs> I, I saw it. a picture of him coaching the Pop Warner football recently. It. And, and uh, for a, like you said, for a one or a two game stretch, an older player can juice it up like he's a young man. What's that country song? Uh, I, I, I'm as good as I... I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once, once as I ever as was. I ever, yeah, <laughs> see? You're a better country music man than I That's am right That's exactly there. right. I gotta love it. Uh, well, because of that defense, though, this is going to be... It's It's been interesting, too, because Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals offense got a lot of credit during this run. I actually think their ability to dominate the special teams has been among the key factors in this. I mean, they're a rookie kicker. He's nails, and they've been really good in all elements of that. Shout out Colt Anderson, former Grizz, uh, All-American safety, longtime NFL guy who's an assistant special teams coach there uh, in Cincinnati. But al- although the, the Bengals are in the Super Bowl, this will be the toughest defense that they've faced so far, right? So what do you think of just the matchup against the Cincinnati offense? Well, I'll tell you, they have some skilled guys, and then you have Joe Burrow. I mean, they're... Probably the Bengals are probably more explosive for sure than the Rams are, just a little bit more explosive. So that will come down to two, three, four big plays. If the Rams can negate those two, three, four huge plays, 
or if Cincinnati can get three or four of those big plays that may sway the game. I'll tell you, I am rooting. I think the Rams will likely win, but I am rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals for one reason and one reason only. Colt Anderson, let's get some more bling in the great state of Montana. There is a fascinating dynamic there, too, that Colt Anderson is a protege of Tim Houck, and Tim Houck was a longtime Grizz, a longtime NFL player, uh, of course, the, the brother of current University of Montana head coach Bobby Houck. But Tim then coached Colt during the early part of Colt's career here at UM, and Tim got himself a... A Super Bowl ring, and by the way, that was one of the greatest interviews in the history of this radio show. Tim came on the show the day after he had won the Super Bowl, and he still hadn't slept. He'd been partying the whole time, and he was like, yeah, I'll do it. I'm I'm feeling great right now. I haven't slept in two days. Let's roll. And it was hilarious because you could just tell he had been having a great time, and it was was a great and fun time to have a a big Timber native that just won a Super Bowl ring. But Sort of fascinating that uh, Colt is sort of Tim's protege, and now here Colt is knocking on the door of uh, having a Super Bowl ring as well. Yeah, and he's learning from some great people. For sure. And he's on a good team, and that gives you a little momentum as you keep going. And and it's kind of like co- co- coaching is kind of like a player. You get great confidence, and you think you can beat anybody schematically and then and then, and then juicing the fellows up. The, the one thing in coaching, right, that I think gets overlooked, and you and I talked about some of these coaches that have never played, is is certainly there's there's demands and all those things, but but the motivation is overlooked. Sure, it is you motivate every day. Let's not overlook that. These young men, they they have great great respect for something that's well organized with high expectations. That's what they want, and they want to be prepared going into every NFL game that they play. Monday afternoon quarterback, Coach Marty. Marty Mornoweg in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas. Just a couple minutes left here. Last Super Bowl, Bruce Arians, I believe, was the second longest, or excuse me, second oldest head coach in the NFL behind Pete Carroll. Squared off against Andy Reid, who's also in his mid-60s. It's the flipping of the script. Now we got two guys that are like my age that are in their mid to late 30s. I think Sean McVay is about 37 now, and I think Zach Taylor's 38. So this is sort of new territory. I don't know if there's been two head coaches under the age of 40 against the, each other in the in the Super Bowl ever. Yeah, I, I, I would have to look that up, but what a great point you just made. Total flip of the script. Two long-time head coaches with age to them last year. Two young coaches this year, two different teams. Who at the start of the playoffs would have said the Rams? Maybe a few. Who would have said the Bengals? Probably not many. Right. Right? I'm not so, going to lie. I ate, I have to eat my crow. I was a hater on the Bengals. I thought they were going to finish last in their own division. It's not that I, I, just, I just thought that was such a good division because I thought that the Browns and the Ravens were going to be absolutely playoff teams and that the Steelers would be in the mix. Not so much, but I will say I got it written on the studio wall. I made the prediction on this show July 1st, 2021, that the Rams will win the NFC. So eat crow on the Bengals, laugh in your face on the, the Rams. Uh, got to give myself some props on that one. There it is. There's two other <laughs> things. You know, these young coaches, they grew up in coaching families that you and I had talked about, yep. had talked about before. And the Cincinnati Bengals remind me of the Rams when Dick Vermeil was coaching them. 
and they were bad. And then the next year, bad. The next year, bad. I mean, it, and you you start playing against these guys. Of course, back then they were in our division when I was with the Niners. And man alive, uh, first-round picks all over the defensive squad. Second-round picks, third-round picks. And their defense was just excellent. But they had trouble winning three, four, five games. And then all of a sudden, Kurt Warner popped. A couple other fellows stayed healthy. And they win the Super Bowl. Uh, you got to give credit to Cincinnati. For oh, you absolutely do. Hanging on to their coach. No question. Because in many organizations, that would not yep. have happened. And acquiring a great young quarterback. Well, and then also making the great young quarterback have a, a comfort, uh, or I guess a security blanket in one of his go-to guys from his college days in Jamar Chase. Draft day. No, Nobody on the national side is talking about this. Draft day, the national experts were eviscerating the Bengals for not taking the big tackle from Oregon. That guy, by the way, goes Pinelli Sewell. He goes to Detroit, and he's very mediocre. He had a really hard time acclimating to the the pro game. Meanwhile, Jamar Chase has the greatest single season for a rookie receiver since Randy Moss. I mean, the dude is like the one of the best players in the NFL. So uh, the Bengals had the last laugh on that one too. And the Bengals coached Joe really well. We were talking about gut instincts oh, earlier in the show. Yeah. They embrace it. They and they trust them to minimize the crazy plays when you're using all that great athletic ability and creativity. And he sure is a great decision maker. Well, as now he has been Radio Monday afternoon quarterback with Coach Marty Super Bowl week. It'll be on Sunday. It'll be a fun afternoon. Any big plans for the game, Coach? Well, what do you do? I don't go to. Super Bowl no. party, and usually I don't go to a Super Bowl right. unless we're playing in it. <laughs> totally. You know, so, you know, typically I like to watch it sort yep. of with my wife or my kids, and, and so I can sort of hone in because, you know, typically I've got coaches that are friends, sure. players that maybe I've coached before that are in this game, and I like that's the only reason I watch the Pro Bowl as well. Totally. So, that's how I usually do it. How about you? I'm going to just have a few people over at my spot, cook some food, and uh, let it rip. Super Bowl Sunday coming up on Sunday. Coach, thanks so much for being here. It's a true pleasure. Awesome. We will be back at it tomorrow on a Tuesday. We'll have your Treasure State Stars. We'll have a business angle with Justin Angle, diagnosing a bunch of Super Bowl ads, one of my favorite segments of the year. See you tomorrow at 4 p.m. Nuanas now. The advocates can help you if you've been injured in an automobile, motorcycle, pedestrian, or even a dog bite accident. For additional information on other types of cases that the advocates handle, you can always visit MontanaAdvocates.com. You can chat with an experienced attorney with no upfront out-of-pocket expense. Visit online or call 406-640-4444 today, or you can visit MontanaAdvocates.com. And remember, you deserve an advocate. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear... How about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, 
your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.